Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars. Welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. I am sitting across from Samantha Wall, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come talk to me. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Uh, Always when I start to look at someone's work, and I had not seen your work ever before, I was so taken with the images online. Uh, Just something about them was so gripping, and the transparency of them and how I could see through them and the images themselves. I'm really excited just to talk to you about your work and how you got to where you are. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. And now you were originally from Seoul, South Korea. Yes. How long have you been here in Portland? Um, I've been here since 2001. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my husband and I moved here um, from Columbia, South Carolina, where um, I was in undergrad and he was in grad school. but uh, my family moved around quite a bit. My stepfather was in the military, and mm-hmm. South Carolina is kind of where we ended up. Interesting. So how did your heritage play into your work? Well, um, for this uh, this recent body of work, I get, or the last two bodies of work, um, I've been spending more time um, researching just like different aspects of Korean culture because it's always felt like something that's been... Um, or it's felt like this thing that I haven't really been able to penetrate. And, you know, like I feel like an outsider kind of looking in because I left when I was young. Um, I don't speak Korean anymore. I, I, I still have family in Korea. My grandmother, my uncles and their family live there, but I, I didn't maintain a relationship with them um, because of the language barrier and distance. Um, so it's been, it, it, it's always been challenging for me to relate to Korean culture. And yet when I see my mother, you know, I see myself. And so I've, I've always kind of, um, had this, you know, feeling of having, you know, one foot within it, one foot outside of it, but then never feeling in like at home in either, you know, like Korea or, um, the United States. And, um, this last year I, I decided to sort of, I don't know, in my mind, I think of it as kind of um, maybe trying to find these like access points into the culture, you know, like looking like my mother and I, excuse me, um, would cook Korean food. Like I I grew up doing that. So that's one way for me to access the culture. But recently um, I've discovered that shamanism, like that's practiced by women in Korea has been another access way. And uh, primarily because it's, it provides this, um, this like narrative that belongs to women. And, you know, that was something that I didn't know I needed. And it makes, it makes, it gives me clarity about like my family, you know, my mother, my grandmother, my siblings, these aspects of who we are that I didn't realize were so embedded within Korean culture. You know, there's like, it's, there's evidence of it, but, um, I just, I didn't recognize it for that until I kind of, I dove into this practice and realized that, um, our behavior is much more Korean than I realized, you know, unpack the word shamanism a little bit. Well, it's, so it is, um, Shamanism, Korea is kind of the religious practices are this, it's this like amalgamation. Um, and I, I always thought that like my mother is very superstitious and I, I kind of thought it was, it was just particular to her. And, um, in grad school, I think is when I sort of, um, came across this, um, 
within some of my research into like Korean culture then, but that shamanism was sort of the indigenous uh, spiritual practice within Korea. And as other religions were introduced to the area, rather than like totally erasing what was there, it became kind of folded in, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's like, you know, elements of Buddhism, Confucianism, Christianity, like all of those, and including shamanism have all been kind of woven together. And so um, it's, I think that's some, it seems like some of the shamanistic rituals and traditions that are practiced, it seems that they're, they're just kind of, they're identified as just being very like Korean practices, you know, like different kinds of rituals that seem uh, either superstitious or outside of any of the other religious practices. So daily, kind of a daily ritual, Someti- yeah, some like can be, waking up or even grief or... Yeah, some can be, like some are just daily, everyday sort of uh, practices and others are bound in, yes, like funerary practices, uh, maybe like cleansing of like homes or even like fortune telling, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, healers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is still a practice that's regarded as, you know, it's, it, it's, there's a kind of not, not exactly a stigma because it seems like there's this resurgence and acceptance, but it, it primarily practice on the margins. Um, but it's, you know, it's still, there's still like, it's still alive, you know, it's still, um, it's something that has been handed down, you know, over the generations by women Mm. and, um, and, and showing up, you know, it shows up in really subtle ways. So it's not, you know, it's not like super witchy, magical, Mm -hmm. you know, like it can be that, but it also finds its way in dance, you know, like Mm. some of the like, um, traditional Korean dances were, uh, sort of founded on shamanistic practices. And now they're just, you know, it's, it's like the arts it's, Mm. so it's, it's kind of woven its way into the fabric of Korean culture in various ways. So interesting because as you're speaking, suddenly some of your, uh, illustrations or do you call them paintings, drawings? I consider them drawings. Drawings. I think, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they, they, they kind of view it as being sort of a hybrid painting, drawing, mm-hmm. draw, but I still, they feel like drawings to me. As you describe shamanism, I, I can, the, the paint or the drawings, <laughs> um, it feels as though that fits the verbiage, fits the aesthetic, the visual, mm. just in terms, I know the title of the show is Phantom Limbs. And just that, to my mind, at least as you're talking about shamanism, it's that kind of murky mm-hmm. between place. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just, it's fascinating. I think, yeah, that's, um, it's been, it's been an interesting um, voyage, I guess. I, I It's hard to, I mean, like the entire like all of the work I've made this year, it's been, um, it's been in a, in an, it's an attempt to, I don't know, maybe navigate or help me process my grief. My sister passed away a few years ago. And, um, I think it was then that I realized that I didn't have any kinds of, um, there weren't, I didn't have any traditions or rituals to lean on to help me get through that process. And I witnessed that like my family didn't either, Mm. you know, and, um, and it, and it, I just had to, you know, I was asking questions to myself, you know, it's like, well, why is that? Like, what aren't we, like, are we doing something wrong? Like, what are, you know, like, how do other people get through this? Like, Mm. this is, you know, this feels, um, this feels impossible, you know, like there's, it's just like, you feel totally disconnected from reality, um, disconnected from one another, dis- disconnected from your community, you know, like you're like untethered. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it's only been 
maybe in the, you know, really this last year that I've been able to like, uh, sit with my grief, you know, sit with that pain, um, the anger, rage, you know, like it wasn't just my sister's death, but then also, um, our entire like political structure shifted and all of a sudden I felt this like bodily danger as well. So not only am I grieving, I'm like scared to leave my house, mm. <laughs> you know? So it was, um, it, I, I felt like, I don't, I don't even know what shifted in like how, uh, there, it seems like there must've been like a bodily shift within me. Like, I don't know what happened, but something, something sort of opened up and I was able to like finally start thinking about it, processing it, making work about it, mm -hmm. which also helps me mm -hmm. like go through and like, uh, sort of suss out, you know, or, or like, um, maybe, um, I don't know. It feels like it's a kind of, um, this expansion of this really dense idea, you know? I think you're so onto something. It reminds me of, you know, the black hole, right? Right. And that, 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 that density and then that explosion. Mm -hmm. um, I had a very similar experience when I lost my father in, I described it in some words, like life became so technicolor. I became so sensitive. I was hurting so much. Mm -hmm. That it almost is like when you go out into the light on a bright day and you just can barely open your eyes. And, and I could relate to your feeling like your safety was, everything's heightened. Right. It, yes. it feels yeah. as though you're just, I don't, I, just what you said, I really relate to it. And, and in a way, as an artist, I feel so fortunate because my job in my work, for me, I put it myself to the test to continue to ask questions as you are, you know, what, what is this? Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I can use my work to kind of push the forest aside, you know, That's and, right. yeah. and, um, it takes a lot of courage. So I really just the way you describe it is, is beautiful. Thank you. It's, um, it's, I feel like it's, you know, I don't know how else to operate. I feel like we don't know, you know, it's like, what else will we do? You know, like I'm kind of, used to asking questions that are difficult to answer. And, mm -hmm. you know, even if it means not finding an answer, at least you've, it's just making that attempt, you know, mm -hmm. like having, putting yourself in that position that feels, um, I don't like untenable, you know, like mm -hmm. where it feels like you're, you're moving in all directions at once. And, um, like I said, sometimes there are no answers, but you still have to move through that space. Yeah, it was, it's so interesting, too, as an artist, because I know you're married and you have a big life, lots of things, family, career, you bought a home. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it's uh, that spiritual practice of believing that all these things are one life and that they all pour into the same happiness, the same contentment. Mm -hmm. It's it's so complicated. It, yes. <laughs> and to know what to do. I mean, how did you know that, how did you title your show Phantom Limbs? What, what was it that, that moved you to this body of work? Right. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, um, with this work in particular, like I, I, I didn't really know the shape of it. Like, it seems like with my past work, I, most of the time I have kind of a, if even, even if it's a just it, that I, even if I can't see the edges of the project, I can see a large amount of it. But with this, like, I didn't understand how large 
um, this project. Is, I mean, I, I still can't see the edges, mm-hmm. but at some point in the making of it, um, I, and I think that what I was doing was sort of, as I was making the work, I was, um, doing this kind of like internal searching or comparison and like thinking about my sister, thinking about my relationship with her, um, making this work and thinking about, you know, the lack of ritual and tradition and like, and researching Korean culture and shamanism and um, looking at some of those rituals and how they've sort of evolved over time to meet the needs of um, the like Korean people, right? Like just people, I suppose, you know, I think maybe rituals do that over time, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that it's, it's um, how they relate to what we need, you know, that meaning is created. So I, as I was making the work and, and really forming my own personal ritual and, and relating it back to my sister, there's this constant, uh, or maybe a growing sensation of her presence, mm. and but then this conflicting knowledge of her absence, and you know, and mm. I realized that that was that must be similar to what um, you know individuals who lose a limb must go through. You know, that mm. phantom limb syndrome, that mm. that that sort of paradoxical sensation of something be, both being present and absent, and. Um, how potent your memory must be, you know, right. To, to conjure that sensation. Um, and it, and it, you know, she's, she's my younger sister. Like I've, she's been with me. I mean, she's, she, she was four years younger. Mm. Um, so yeah, like that's, you know, she's like a part of my body. So like I could feel her, you know, like I was, as I was making the work, um, it was as if I could sense her, um, presence, mm-hmm. you know, like it felt more, um, she felt more present as I was making the work. And so I felt that whatever I was making was right, mm-hmm. you know, that is beautiful and amazing and I wonder how you take care of yourself throughout the process. I just imagine you must miss her so terribly. I can see it <laughs> and feel it. Um, how do you help yourself through that? It, making, making this work has mm. helped me. Um, it's... It is, uh, I think art is, you know, it's, I think it's something that we don't truly understand the value of until we need it in moments like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the potential of it is remarkable. And, you know, I think that we don't, as a, like our society doesn't value it the, the way that we should. I mean, I think well, obviously some of us do, but, mm-hmm. um, that it is, um, there's a, you know, there's, there's magic to it. There's, mm. there's this, um, if we allow ourselves to, uh, trust in it and in ourselves and the power that it has to communicate with others, um, yeah, there's something about it that's ineffable. There's no, there are no words. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it's, a, it's remarkable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yes, it forces me to be in a place that 
is painful, but also there's something about it that um, feels um, that 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 um, encourages healing and and with that, I think that, you know there's joy because I can remember her in a way that is outside of that grief and pain, mm. um, and that you know that feels good. <laughs> it's interesting because when I'm listening to you, I think of you as an emotional explorer on an expedition this inside. Mm-hmm. And in our culture today, you know, we, especially Americans, so it seems we're so pull up your bootstraps and <laughs> find and conquer and right. zaba. But I think, you know, one of the last frontiers is within and the miracle of the human body, the miracle of emotion and connection and what it means. Mm-hmm. And so I, I th- when you were talking, I, I all of a sudden it just, I imagined you just kind of marching, you know, on the tundra right. of emotion, <laughs> you know, right. and, and because I think often when I'm working, uh, you know, people are seeing my work and they see your work and there'll be most people you'll never cross paths with. And you lead, you give them something. I hope so. They're in, you're inside of them. <laughs> you're there in their mind. What do you hope they, they, they see or, or leave the gallery hmm. with? I, um, I, you know, I think that, so I spent a lot of time, um, kind of in my head, <laughs> I guess as a kid, you know, um, I mean, into my adult life. Um, so I, 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 it was really difficult for me to relate or, or build relationships with people. Like that was just something that, um, you know, it was just shy and awkward. And, um, as an adult, I realized that because of, um, because I'm multiracial, I, I didn't, I never had a sense of belonging either. Like once we lived in the United States and uh, most of the time, most of the cities that we moved to um, were just really, uh, it just felt like there was always this like, like I felt like I couldn't, uh, such a difficult thing to talk about because it, it, I feel like as I'm trying to talk about race, my, my own sense of self starts to um, like, revolt, you know, like it's, it's like rebelling against these like categories. And Mm. it just, so like, that's what it feels like, you know, there's this like resistance to being, being, um, categorized, but at the same time, you know, others, other people's perception, um, sort of marks me, marks my own body. Right. And it's like, I become what they think I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in making art, I, I can exist outside of that, you know, like I don't have other people's perception forcing my body to take a shape that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, um, I can just be myself and whatever that looks like and feels like. And, um, I guess I just hope that when people see my work, it allows them to tap into something that's similar, like something, you know, that, that self that's outside of other people's perception, outside of like these different, you know, categories that we, um, willingly or unwillingly place ourselves within and the restrictions that accompany that. Mm. Um, cause there is there, you know, there's something freeing, liberating, there's something, you know, just the ability to kind of relax and take on the structure that your body feels is most comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, um, there's, it's, 
it's remarkable. So I, I have that in the studio and then I leave and I, you know, then things happen again in my, and I can feel this tightening and stretching happen. And, um, so it's hard to maintain that, um, that, I don't know, resistance, right? Outside of Yeah, that's so fascinating to think about because I've been thinking a lot about diversity and, the experience of people of color and right. I read recently a writer talking about how they were frustrated with the idea that they had to italicize certain words because certain cultures wouldn't understand the word, but Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for who you are as an artist in various ways. Mm -hmm. And it never, I never thought about that, but your work is anonymous and that is probably right. really fantastic in many ways. But then also I could feel even by saying those words right now that there's a contradiction in that, in that you think, well, great, it's great to be anonymous, but then who wants to be anonymous? I mean, there are various ways where I'm compartmentalized and I think I don't want to be compartmentalized. Right. You know, when most people see my work on stage, they, they see my human form, they have an opinion about my sex, my age, my attractiveness or lack thereof. And, you know, everyone's got an opinion. Right. Oh, it's so, that's fascinating. And also I love how you're describing that kind of push me, pull you, because that's how it is. I, don't you find as you get older that all these black and white, hard edged ideas just start to blur? Yes. So fast. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I, um, I, I turned 41 mm-hmm. not too long ago and, uh, turning 40, like something, it was like something turned off. Like there was like a switch that went off mm-hmm. and I was, um, not expecting it, you know, like, I mean, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still like kind of an anxious person, but like one of those switches turned off and, um, I feel a little, you know, less worried or, or anxious about, um, you know, some aspects of my life, but, I mean, there's just, there's so many, there's so, I'm, you know, part of me is looking forward to getting older and maybe not, not putting so much of my energy into worrying about, you know, everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really interesting how it is. I don't know. You know, those funny things you put your fingers into and when you pull, it gets skinny in the middle and you push and it gets fat. Yes. It's (laughs) almost like a wormhole, you know? Right. And I find throughout my life, different times in your life, certain things, you know, tighten and others, it's weird, like time and how there's this span of time where you worry less about certain things. And then all of a sudden you realize life is short. It's it's a, it's a constant barrage of things mm-hmm. to consider. It, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Which is good for us because we can keep considering it. Right, right. Maybe um, about it forever. What have you read or seen recently that's inspired you? Oh my goodness. Um, I read A Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it's, it is heartbreaking and, um, there's, there, it's powerful. It's, you know, it just like, I think throughout the book, I just could, I was like, how could all of this happen to one person that this, like mm-hmm. almost like these events right next to each other. Um, so like I've been, I've been reading things like that, but then I've also been reading, um, you know, like a lot of essays about, um, like shamanism, um, mm. a, a Afrofuturism. I'm really mm. interested in that. I rewatched, um, Black Panther. Like that's oh, so beautiful, right? That's, I mean, it's really, there's something so remarkable. I mean, I, you know, it, it shouldn't feel so good to, 
to watch a film that has an all black cast, like, or almost like, mm-hmm. it sh- but it does. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I want to live in a time where that's just kind of an everyday thing, right? Yeah, like, it's so interesting too, because when the movie came out, I've read so many articles about all the artists who contributed on various levels, art direction, costume, and the detail and the history that I knew zero about was just kind of a chilling reminder mm-hmm. of how much we don't know here. And even I interviewed uh, Leela Downs from Oaxaca and knowing that in her uh, area, there are 68 languages. Wow. You know, I mean, the world is so beautiful and somehow we've managed to dumb it down or to prevent so much of the beauty from being on the surface of our experience. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. I'm reading this book, I'm not going to remember the title, but it's about the Osage Indians in Oklahoma in the 20s. And uh, it's fascinating and about a horrible conspiracy to kill the Osage Indians who had all these oil rights. And it's a part of our history. Again, another culture and also another time in which the Osage Indians were some of the wealthiest people in North America. Wow. Because they had these oil rights. Right. And um, I think, oh my goodness, just a few horrible people at that time, not even very many, who managed to do horrible, horrible things. And it's, there's so much beauty. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but at the same time, there, like you said, there's, there are not as many people that are capable of the kinds of horrors that, um, as you were, you know, talking about, but they're like, how much, how much power they exert over the rest of us or their ability to like shift our, our, our sense of reality, you know, or rewrite history, you know, like it's, um, I don't know. It's disturbing. Like it, you know, to say the least, like I, yeah, I don't know why and how we let that happen. Right. And just to know, as I said, you know, thinking about all the languages that exist and the music and the paintings and the art, so many genres in ways people are expressing themselves about the big questions of life, death Mm -hmm. and life, you know, um, that that we don't, you know, like that we don't seek out mm -hmm. that we're content with whatever, you know, is Is given to us. us. Yeah. It's really is the time of the emotional arc, uh, geologist or (laughs) because, and the, historical geologist in terms of unearthing stories and mm-hmm. and even including stories like yours and mine to some extent as well in the ways that we are constricted and not showing ourselves fully mm-hmm. because of this old story that we have to look and feel a certain way. Right. Right. It's time to take that apart. It's so, it's a kind it's- of a constant thing to think about. Isn't it strange? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, back to questions for you. <laughs> uh, what do you think is possible to impart to young people through art? Hmm. I, um, I spent some time uh, working with um, 
fifth graders at KS Mocha. Are you familiar with this program? Mm -mm. Um, So it's a program um, that is run by Lisa Jarrett and Harold Fletcher and the social practice students at PSU. And it's a functioning museum that's in the King School, Northeast Portland. And um, I held a workshop there. Um, We made drawings and then those drawings were shown alongside my own work. Um, And that exhibition was in uh, the spring. And um, working with those students, I, I saw, you know, like art, art, like it's, it's like, it's transformed them. There's just, there's all of this there. I was, I mean, I was just amazed, like what they're capable of, their like kindness, their generosity, their, you know, like thinking back about like my experience and, you know, like around that time, um, art art makes art creates a kind of bridge or uh, allows um this i don't know it, maybe this kind of like openness to occur right like not just like um in how you relate to one another like building interpersonal relationships but i think a kind of bodily openness where you're you know like you're just uh you're aware of other people and then also like invite like their opinions their creativity their you know knowledge um I didn't see any kind of like, there wasn't, you know, I didn't have a sense of like bullying or anyone feeling out of place. Nobody was being like critical, you know, they were Mm. young and creative and curious and kind. I, you know, I just, it was really, it felt so good to Mm. be in that space working with them. Um, And I think that, you know, art should be a part of every young person's like academic experience because it only enriches um, I mean, ev- like everything that they learn, right? It, it like it, and it allows them to take it in in a way that um, I think suits them. It like you know that creativity becomes a vehicle for knowledge, and um, I don't, I don't like I saw it work there. You know? it's so interesting because it brings to mind when I was thinking earlier, or we were talking earlier about. Um, what it is that old story, and it feels like the shutting down of intuition or trust, mm. that childlike ability mm-hmm. to be in your presence, be awed by what you do, be inspired, jump in with both feet, mm-hmm. be excited before that weird, critical tamping down happens. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with that. And it it's, we all want to be adulting. You know, I have a a daughter, I'm adulting and I'm thinking, golly, maybe I should be telling her, stop that. Stop the whole adulting business. Go backward. Be, have integrity in your life and keep your feet in the pool of beauty. Right. Yeah. Be playful. Be curious. Like there's some, I, I agree. Like I often just feel like, you know, like a, just a large child or something. Like I, you know, I'm like, how is this? How do we like even like the the house that you know we've been there two years now? I'm like, how how is this ours? Like this is like a playground. This is amazing. <laughs> um, um, and my, you know, my husband's the same way. Stephen, he's, I mean, he will he will forever be just a big, knowledgeable child. But he's so curious. He's mm. you know he's his um, and creative and um, his humor and you know every he's just it's, we shouldn't force ourselves to, to start to take the shape of what we think an adult looks like or Mm. acts like, or, you know. Well, survival used to be a lot harder than it is now. Yes. And, you know, back in the day when those stories were formed, 
I guess there wasn't a lot of time probably to to kind of be back into that primordial soup right of the of the contentment which is even whatever we believe is before we're born you know there was get up and and survive right and now we're just we just seem not to be able to kind of see where we are on the timeline mm-hmm. somehow we don't you know but then of course greed plays into the whole thing and that's just bothersome <laughs> <laughs> understatement yes <laughs> is there an artist that you would think about who would be your dream mentor oh wow um i was thinking about that for myself right. today i thought Huh. I think I need a mentor right now. I need an uplift. I will. You know, I have, there's so many, I don't know if I have, if there's one person that would be a dream mentor, but there, I mean, I'm surrounded by so many artists that I look up to, you know, um, they're just, I mean, because there's just something about, well, for instance, um, I, some there Barry Pelsner who teaches at PNCA brought us brought a group of students to see my show last week and um Barry is somebody who I consider a mentor like he is just like he he still is able to like he still has that curiosity and, and you know there's playfulness and creativity and he's incredibly like intelligent um and he you know it's just there's something about his presence that um I I, I just respect, I, you know, he's somebody who, and, and also is, you know, relates to the students. Like he's been, I mean, I don't even know how long he's been at PNCA now, but, um, he's just, there's something about him that I really admire. But then at the same time, you know, like I look to younger artists as well for inspiration. Um, one of the women that's in the exhibition with me, Melanie Stevens is remarkable. And, you know, again, just like, like I, I think that all of us as artists, like we, you know, build relationships with other people, artists, creative people who we respect. But then also like for me, like I, there's, I see them as mentors. You know, I, I, there, there are, um, aspects of their, uh, personality or, you know, just who they are as artists that like, I want to kind of take in, you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, like I want to emulate you. Like, how do I, what is it about, you know, what you're doing or who you are? Um, there's also an artist right now that, um, who's, I mean, she's, she, her career is, is just like phenomenal, uh, Toyin Oji Odatula. And like, she makes these drawings that are, I don't, you know, I, I just want to like cry when I see them. I mean, they're just, they're so beautiful and, and they're drawings and that means so much to me. And she's also a young artist. Hmm. Um, how come drawings mean so much to you? Well, you know, I think that part of it has to do with, um, the fact that like drawings, you know, prior to, I don't know, maybe the last decade or maybe it's been like the last decade, maybe yeah, I guess in my thirties, mm. trying to like place it now, <laughs> but, um, where it was, it wasn't really considered, uh, you know, like art, like, you know, it was as if, um, they were, it was always like preliminary to something else. Like you make drawings and right. then, you know, and then those become sketches. Those are just sketches for paintings or sculptures or, you know, installations. Um, they, 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 it seemed like they were dismissed. Like they didn't have the same kind of like weight or, um, kind of like gravitas or something Mm. as, you know, other forms. But for me, uh, as a child, like it was, 
It was like, it was a language. It was an opportunity to be self-reflective. It was an escape. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was so many things. And I, I didn't want it. I, I could feel the pressure from faculty, especially in undergrad, um, when maybe when I moved here early on to to shift my practice from drawing into something else to be taken more seriously as an artist, mm. and um, and I, you know, I it was as if it's like oh I'm feeling so much pressure from everything else and you know like about like um, who I am anyway you know like the things that I should do so that I can fit into different kinds of spaces like I don't want my art to also be that I don't want to feel that pressure uh, to make something so that it satisfies you know my audience. Um, but to see that transformation now that, you know, like art or drawing is, um, is it's, it's not that perception has changed. You know, it's, it like people who draw don't have to make paintings now that doesn't have Mm. to like, uh, become something other than what it is. Like it can be, you know, it may still, I don't think it has that sort of, um, like, I don't think people consider it like simplistic anymore. Like Mm. it's not some dumbed down painting or something like that. Like, you know, it's as complex and rich and nuanced and sophisticated as any other art form. Um, so just, you know, it makes me feel really good to see artists embrace their drawing practices. And yes, they become, you know, um, more complex as they continue to make them over time. Right. But, um, there's still like, there's still that immediacy. There's still that, like, there's this kind of like contact with, um, your materials on paper that I don't like, I've never been able to experience that with any other medium. Like it's, there's just something about drawing that. It's your language. It is. It really is. It's so interesting. I feel as though at the heart of this conversation about, uh, diversity, is the snowflake, you know, this idea that there are no two people alike and mm. your your art, your love art language is the drawing and you can feel it when I see your face talking about the beauty of it and I never thought of it in such a dense way, mm. you know, the art of drawing. It's, mm-hmm. it's really lovely to hear you talk about it. So thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate so much your coming to talk to me today and not only to just come talk to me, but to really lay it out there. What you're doing is wonderful and really looking forward to seeing your work. People can go online at the Russo Lee Gallery and find it or even onto your website. Yes. Yeah. There'll be a link there too. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Keep drawing and (laughs) diving and dreaming and leading us. Yes, I will. I will. Thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.